0: Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Gentlemen, the most important thing you could do to make more money, to put your business out in front of more people, and to derive more satisfaction from your work is to listen to this podcast. So I'm thrilled to have Liz H. Kelly, author of Eight Second PR, who teaches tactics and techniques to get your message out there. Uh, a couple of the tactics would be try to captivate people in the first eight seconds and use the rule of three where you kind of you space out three different reasons why a person should listen to your podcast or you know to listen to the interview. Um, Liz and I touch on a very wide variety of topics which are both tactical in terms of how do I practically get my message out there in addition to lifestyle related, how did she go from her job working at MySpace managing multi-million dollar campaigns to running her own business and the roundabout entrepreneurial journey it took to writing her newest book combining and extrapolating the 15 years of experience she's had on all sides of the camera. She's an interviewer, she's been an interviewee, she's been a PR agent, so you really get the full gamut of the experience today on the interview. So again, the book's title is Eight Second PR. Our guest is Liz H. Kelly, and with no further ado, I am inviting you to enjoy and to learn with me. Okay, I have Liz H. Kelly here who is a PR expert and the author of Eight Second PR, and and correct me if I'm wrong, you've been doing this for 15 years, correct? Yes. I, I actually wrote
1: a, uh, a book, a, a dating book, and I got 500 media interviews. So then I said, okay, I have to do this for other people. So, that, for, so it was five years promoting the dating book and 10 years promoting other
0: people. So that's an interesting question that is, is, is like a focus thing. So initially you saw it. What was the name of your book, The Dating Book? The dating book was called Smart Man Hunting. Smart Man Hunting. Okay, great. So you saw the power of, it's not enough just to put the content out there, but you have to be able to get that content magnified in front of the right people. Otherwise, you're writing in a, in a tunnel and there's no value that comes out of what you did, essentially, correct? Exactly. And what I say is that PR is a marathon, not
1: a sprint. And I think a lot of people, they think, okay, I have a new book, let's just promote it for three months and then we're done and that doesn't work. And that's how I got a five-year marketing campaign out of one dating book because I released it three different times. And then every time I released it, I would update it with new content that I knew the media would like. And then I could go out to the media and say, here's what's new, or, you know, it's constantly tying it to current events, which is something I talk about in 8 second pr and you know i was like obviously i have a knack for this and i don't need to be on tv so let's get other people on tv
0: so that that's fascinating you you find one of one of the things that i found challenging is if you're the one that likes putting out the content sometimes you know it's hard to promote other people's messages but you having like kind of looked within saw that for you it didn't really matter about who was putting out the content but the skill set of being able to market other people was what really what really appealed to you
1: right and actually the the subtitle of the book is all about energize your story for ultimate media success and the reason why that's so important is because it's all about the story and that's what i love doing and i think that
0: everybody has it's all about the story sorry to interrupt what do you mean it's all about the story
1: okay so what i mean is um you can't just pitch the media and say hey i wrote this You know cool new book you got to do a story about my cool new book you have to present a story about how you can help other people and how it ties into current events happening today so for example eight second pr the reason why i wanted to launch in january is because january is more about new year's resolutions and it's a time for change and it's you know you you want to Uh, push your business forward, where if I launched it over the holidays, it could have gotten lost because everybody's drinking eggnog and they're at their parties and they don't care about pushing their business forward as much as they do in January. So that's kind of the story. So what I say is that everybody has a genius, but sometimes they can't see the story that needs to be sent to the media because the media thinks different than I want to talk about my cool new company.
0: So, th- so let's 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 go into that a little bit. And one of the things that is very con- contrarian, I guess you can say, to how I think a lot of people are presenting PR as it's supposed to be done nowadays, is because there's such an immediate. Um, you know, reaction on social media, it's like, you know, content gets old very quickly. And it can't be like, I recorded this video on YouTube six months ago, how could you check it out again, because it's not gonna get picked up. So do you think that there is a fundamental shift that is happening? Or is social media, social media, and the media is the media, and you have to know how to navigate both?
1: i think you have to navigate both and i and i think that there are different things for each one so there is a chapter in the book that's all about your digital marketing and how you do that so i'm really into that and and the the title i just want to uh say is eight second pr because the average attention span of an adult is eight seconds so absolutely You know, that applies more to the digital media, but it's also like the the first 10 to 15 seconds of a video. That is when somebody decides if they're going to turn off the video or keep
0: watching. So all of that plays a role. So that's interesting. So if we could could do a little bit of role playing, so to speak, if I would ask you, like, what's your eight second pitch, what would it be? This book is going to help you build raving fans, increase
1: your income, and change lives. Sold something i talk about when when you're on tv i talk about the power of threes so we talked about building raving fans increasing income and changing lives so obviously the the media wants to help people build raving fans but they don't care about increasing your income the the readers care about increasing income but the changing lives that's what the media really cares about they want to know how is your cool business or cool book changing
0: lives as someone that's a veteran to the to this industry and do you see yourself as a member of the media is pr part of that or is pr the i guess the bridge between the, the content provider and the media
1: i think pr is a is a bridge i think that's a really good word uh, between it's it's the media the content providers and and help to build that story, but actually, <clears throat> what I do is I say that I have a three sixty view because i 'm actually an author, a publicist, and a reporter because i 've been an entertainment reporter for the past ten years also, and so i 've stood on red carpets and i 've interviewed celebrities, and you get some good interviews and you get some bad ones and and you can tell the difference
0: what What is the difference
1: well, I think uh, It's, you know, it's the same thing in any interview or any conversation really at a party. If you go to a party and you say, what do you do? And somebody just starts rambling versus giving you specific, helpful content. Because what I like to do when I'm on the red carpet is I like to say, for example, if it's about a movie, I I like to say, so why did you create this movie? And if they go back to, uh, you know, I was born in... You know, 1985 and then I moved from this city to that city and, and the story takes half an hour to tell me <laughs> that's going to put anybody to sleep.
0: As an, as an interviewer, do you find that that's also a skill set that has to be cultivated to, like in terms of like trying to bring your guests back to the punch or is that kind of on the guest?
1: Well, I think you can coach them as much as you want. And and I do this with people I interview, but I also do it with, I I run GoodyPR.com. And these were GoodyPR clients that I was working with. But um, I think you can coach them as much as you want. But the bottom line, I I do always tell them, I want you to sound yourself and I want you to be excited because the body language and the enthusiasm and the tone of voice and and what you wear, all of that stuff plays a role too. And we talk about it in the book, but um, you know, so it's, it, there's a lot to it, but, but I watch um, pundits on like cable news all the time. And the ones who are really good are the ones who say the top three things are, or number one and number two is, you know, those are the people that get your attention. Otherwise it just sounds like a monotone voice going on.
0: So, knowing the psychological components is very important and the way that you the way that you package something with numbers is is how you get people to kind of clue it and understand and walk away with something i guess that 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 impacted them is that is that fair to say
1: yes and what i what i call it actually is use emphasis statements and the emphasis statement is what can get their attention in 8 seconds so for example If I say the most important thing is I can say that in eight seconds I can't say what the most important thing is in eight seconds but I can grab your attention by saying the most important thing is or the top three things are that will get their attention immediately
0: does this work in writing also I'm curious
1: I think it works in writing. I think it's really important on video, social media, and TV and radio. Uh, I think when you're doing content that's written, what I really like to do is bullets. So in this book, um, you'll see I've got a lot of like boxes and bullets. I see. I because see. because here's some more bullets. Because people want to read in one, two, three. They don't want to read. A really long story that has no focus.
0: Um, so, g- g- give me some more uh, just practical tips from your your experience. Let's say, use me. I do interviews. I interview successful people. I also have a, I'm a I have a coaching practice. I like to help people develop more spiritual lives and get more confidence, etc. Now, there are a lot of people in this space, and I sort of know I'm unique on the inside, but like everybody's doing it. So you look at a case like me, what do you say? What are the questions I should be asking myself and what should I be putting first?
1: Okay. That's a really good question. I think, um, if, if I was coaching you, I would, I would interview you and I would keep digging on your background and what have been the life changers, uh, to help build your brand. But I think off off the top of, my head, I think one of the things that you could do is ask people, and this is what I ask in the book is like what are three life changers that happen in your life that cause you to do what you're doing
0: and, and, what, and,
1: what, and what would you do for free that's another thing we talk about because actually, for the first year i I did my p r work for free for mm. the first year, and what happened was I had done this, what I would call PR marathon for my dating book with the 500 uh, interviews, TV, radio and print over five years, right? So now I get laid off from MySpace, I had worked at MySpace and I had said, if I get laid off, I wanna start my own PR company. But the only problem was I'd never worked with any PR client, that's not what I was doing at MySpace, I was running these multimillion dollar marketing campaigns for people like Toyota and university of Phoenix. Wow. So, okay. So now I have no like experience with clients. I've done it for me, but none for the client. So I went to a rich dad, uh, conference, Robert Kiyosaki wrote, rich dad, poor dad. And I met people who were running the rich dad, Hawaii, um, like franchise. They don't have it anymore. Just to be clear, but, but they were running it. So they said, well, what, we'll, we'll work with you and we can be like your test client so i went to hawaii that was painful and uh i i did a pr campaign and i i got them on all these tv shows about this cash flow game that they were playing right. and so the people at the rich Dad headquarters in scottsdale arizona started to say well who is this girl and and what is going on so then i got hired to work on another campaign for uh, Robert Kiyosaki's wife, Kim, who wrote Rich Woman. And then um, I worked on that, and then I got my expenses paid. So, okay, i have graduated because now my expenses.
0: Okay, so first you're not going out of pocket to do it, then, then you're, you're breaking even. Now breaking even.
1: Right. And then, then I got my first client, who's been my longest client for the past 10 years, wow. who was on the committee for that. So by working for free for a year, I got a client for 10 years.
0: So that that's that's beautiful, and I have I have a follow up question to that, and I want to circle back to the original to the original thrust. The follow up question would be: What advice would you give yourself, or at what point in your life do you have to be? I think that the idea of the side hustle is very popular now. The idea of the entrepreneur is very popular now. When a person. That reality being what it is that most people don't hire you to do a job that you have no experience, no success in and pay you for it unless you're very lucky, right so what life circumstances would you recommend need to be in place before a person starts to really push their side hustle, either maybe it's family or financial or whatever that might be?
1: Yeah no, I think that's a really good question. I mean I could have never uh, worked for a year for free if I had not had savings in the bank so you got to have at least a year of savings because you also have to invest. I mean, when I was promoting my dating book and learning how to do this, I I estimate I spent $100,000 in my time and in going to seminars. So I went to Mark Victor Hansen's uh, book marketing seminar who did chicken soup for the soul. Um, I've worked with two different mentors. I worked with the Tony Robbins mentor. I mean, and, and then I hired two publicists for $20,000 and I learned a lot by hiring those publicists and I placed ads in magazines. So it it was a major investment to do this. Um, it's, you know, the, the spiritual part and the, and the, uh, the reward of you know i actually get a kick out of making other people look good so that is so powerful to me that it was worth it
0: that's beautiful okay now let's let's cycle back so you had suggested you know what would you do for free so is that part of the story or is that in general one of those good good life advice pieces for someone that's trying to figure out like what do i actually do well i think it's
1: I think it is part of the story because a big thing that I emphasize is you want to be changing lives and you want to be talking about how you're changing lives. And so a lot of times when you're doing charity work or you're giving back, you're doing it for free. So I do think that's really important. And then your passion, you know, if you're doing it for free, you have to be crazy and passionate about what you're doing. So that's going to show too.
0: So one of the questions that oftentimes comes up in my line of work or for me personally is that when you are in the helping space or the expert space, and I think that you know obviously the name, why would anybody interview someone that is not an expert in whatever area that they they're that they're in, right is when you think through these three events that you you know you have brought up about your life, very often, those are very difficult events that we never wanted for us to happen. You know what I'm saying? If you think like the really transformative, maybe it was like a great mentor, maybe, you know, you hit the lottery, but in most cases, at least certainly for me, two of the, uh, I, oh, one was positive. It was like kind of I grew, I grew spiritually and I became a rabbi and all that kind of stuff. But two was negative is that my, you know, my, my dad left when I was young and that I was very overweight. And so to what extent do you package your failures – and the process of trying to tell people and by the way trust me because when you have that problem is your background does that make sense
1: yes i think i think the failures are really important because you you want to be humble you want to be able to show um a comeback story or that i learned from this so i mean definitely it was not fun to work for free for a year and people say how did you do that (laughs) but you know the comeback story has been that now i've got this book and and now i've i've got a track record and i have a portfolio and i've been making a difference and so and you enjoy what you do yeah, also. I, I, and i really enjoy yeah. what i do and some of the corporate jobs i had you know some of them were great and some of them were really painful
0: and really boring and this is not boring right so now when you're looking at a client and i assume at, at this point you are analyzing, you know, what is going to be the best bang for my buck? Meaning, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, Even you know, if the client came with you, came to you with lots and lots of money. Um, if you don't feel a certain alignment with them where you're like, I really don't know how I'm going to get you, get you the right kind of PR. What are you going to look to, at besides obviously being able to compensate you appropriately? What makes the perfect client where a PR person like yourself says, this person has a story that can sell. I want to jump on it and I want to market it.
1: Now that is a great question and I think there's a couple of key things. I mean, number 1, we only take on clients that are making a positive difference in the world. And if they don't have a charity, we'll help them and we'll work with them because you can't just pick a charity, you have to pick a charity that has a meaning. Right. Um and then
0: number 2, we look for which- Wait, why why, why a charity like so so you're saying like if a, if a doctor comes to you and he doesn't have a charity, you would say we need to figure out a charity before we start promoting you absolutely
1: I did that with a because because I I insist that I want my clients to be giving back and making a difference because if they're changing lives they're they're actually a lot more likely to get interviews and then you know they'll feel good and and they'll be making a difference so for example I'll give you a quick example I worked with a tech company called Jukin Media in LA and they're now one of the top uh LA uh tech companies and First of all, it was very hard to figure out their story because they, they take video clips and then they resell them to major TV shows like Comedy Central and The Today Show and their blooper clips. But um, you know, they, they had a really hard time explaining their story to me. So we worked on that. And then we worked on the charity. And what we did was we came up with the Rob Deerdeck Foundation because Rob Deerdeck runs this TV show called MTV Ridiculousness. I believe it's called and and it, it's all these blooper clips and and he has a foundation that helps underprivileged kids uh, go to skateboard parks mm. so it was a perfect alignment with them and we went through do we do cancer or do we do diabetes or things like that but that didn't align with the brand because um, it didn't have anything to do with what they were doing so that. Okay. So that's really important the other thing that i look for in a client is you know um what what is their attitude because attitude is really important and you know can you work with them uh what is their communication process um I've I've had some clients where they only want me to go through their assistant and they never want to talk to me mm. and that doesn't work. I've tried that and well, you know, well, so
0: I, sorry, that's, that's, that's a big piece right there. Why doesn't that work?
1: Well, it doesn't work because then I don't understand what's going on deep inside with that person. And it's really hard to promote. And I like to, you know, I have one client who I've had now for four years, um, and it's gone really well, and we just have one monthly meeting for an hour. And that's really the only time I talk to them, unless there's some kind of emergency or last-minute interview and I have to contact them. I can work with their assistant for everything else, but that one meeting once a month, I really need to hear what they're thinking and what's going on in their life so I can, and we can strategize. That, that meeting is really important. So that's,
0: so that's fascinating. Way. I'm sorry. Yeah. to No, so what I'm what I'm hearing is is, and I I I think as someone again, someone in the space on both ends of things, if you're not willing to, there has to be a level of of you in your PR. You can't hide behind necessarily a brand. You can't hide behind a position. You can't even hide behind accomplishments or like, yeah, what's up? I grew my company three hundred, you know, percent in this in the last quarter because ultimately there's not much for you to sell there unless you know like what's actually going on in the mind of the. Of the client
1: well that that is a really good point and I think one of the things that I struggle with with my clients and I, I talk about this in the book is that it's again it's not about your cool company or your cool book it's about the story behind the person that's involved so what I say is that you need a spokesperson with a powerful story so I'll give you another example this was so great um, I have a addiction center client that works with veterans and, and military and first responders. And during treatment, they make these beautiful uh, wooden American flags and then they sell them and then they take that money and it's a pay it forward program so that that money helps other veterans come to treatment. It's, it's called warriors heart warriors with an S.com if you want to look it up. So this guy who's was on their board um he he came to me he's a u.s air force retired colonel chris strickland awesome spokesperson awesome right so he was a traveling consultant so i got him on tv in three out of four cities so so i got him on tv in three out of four cities he was a traveling consultant and it was just fantastic to work with him because not only was he promoting these flags and was he a veteran, he also almost died because he ejected out of an F-16 plate. So, so there, and we had video clips of him ejecting yeah, out of the F-16. Crazy. So, and, and he was just a great spokesperson. He understood what I talked about with emphasis statements, the power of threes, and he was totally passionate. So it just all came together really well. and i think the reason why the tv stations um did it is because of his story but also the timing we launched this thing on flag day and then we ended it around july 4th so san francisco NBC did a story on flag day and then his hometown of birmingham alabama uh, the cbs station did a story tied to july 4th and they they ran it on July 3rd and then they ran it again three times on July 4th and that's mm-hmm.
0: ideal. It's yeah, that's crazy. And, and so what I what I'm what I'm hearing you say is go again going back to what you initially said is it has to stay relevant. I think that was also one of the the, the genius plays in that in that in that story was that you know a lot and I think I think it's, it provides a less a level of hopefulness for People out there that you're never really, really going to find an accomplishment that's so over the top that any of us have any hope to ever accomplishing. But even the people that have accomplished great things, you're going to say, really, what's going to make the interesting story is you, and not. Not the accomplishment, and again, like you know, you have a great charity, you have the Air Force, you have you know someone that's obviously achieved very, achieved a very high level of the military. But it was like that brush with death and the video footage that stood it out and made it compelling in the in the mind of the media and in the viewers.
1: Exactly, and I and I want to emphasize that in the book, all the there's all these case study examples. So there's more examples because the examples, I think. Um, make the book I mean you can't just say you know do a powerful story you have to give examples of powerful stories and I call it the wow story but yeah it it really is about the spokesperson and I'm also working on a major morning show um, uh, trying to get an interview booked and and you know immediately this is one of the things I talk about is they want to see those people on camera they, it, they're not just gonna promote it because they think this story is cool. They wanna see those people on camera, how they sound, are they passionate? So that's another tip I give. You need like a two minute video of you talking about whatever it is so they can see you on camera.
0: That's fantastic. Okay, I, I wanna be cognizant of your time. I have I have two, two more questions. One is a practical one about how people can follow you and find the book. But the final official question in your capacity is, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about uh, you know the phony phony PR people or you know people that'll come and help you with your marketing and they don't really know what they're doing. So as a client looking to have someone accelerate their PR, what should the client be asking when they're analyzing? Can this person actually help me or not?
1: Well, that is a great question. I mean, first uh, will we'll say it again, but you can go to eightsecondpr.com or sure, follow sure, sure. follow Liz H uh, Kelly. K e l l y. Um, for more tips, but yeah. So if you are looking for a PR person, I think um, number one, you know, look at the testimonials. Look for, you know, look for other people vouching for that person. Look at their portfolio, and then ask questions like, "How many interviews do you average a month for your client?" For example, I say in my contracts two to three interviews a month because I, want, I always want to try to exceed that. Now, sometimes I only get two to three, and sometimes I get 10, but the average for these long-term clients is five, right? And then I've had people come to me and say, potential new clients say, I have a PR person and I've gotten nothing. So that's obviously a red flag, but I would look for the testimonials. I would look at their website. My website, I, I just relaunched it and I have a whole section called Portfolio with examples. And you know, I'm not perfect and sometimes I really struggle and I have to pitch, you know, the same media 20 times to try to get the interview. I have clients who are stuck on I want to get on X show. And and I will focus, but you know, it doesn't always work because it's gotta be luck, it's gotta be timing, and it's gotta be the story. And by the way. Number eight is the lucky number in numerology. So this book is guaranteed to bring you career success and prosperity.
0: That's beautiful. Okay, fantastic. Liz, one more time. How do people find your book and what should we do from here?
1: Absolutely. Please go to 8secondpr.com or go to Amazon. You can get the paperback and the ebook and follow Liz H. Kelly. And I think the last thing I would say is just, you know, don't give up. Like I said, you might have to pitch 100 times. Um, it will happen. It's a, it's a marathon. Amazing. Liz, thank you so
0: much.